Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for tonight's V Brown Bug. I'm your host, Tom Green, and we're excited to talk to you about vSphere automation and the new 6.7 release. To help us talk about that, we have automation expert Kyle Ruddy. Before we get started, I'll do a little bit of housekeeping. We are doing the show live, and as such, you can tweet to us to get your questions, comments, and anything you'd like to say. Uh, to do that, just uh, do hashtag vbrownbag, and Cody Bunch or I will uh, be happy to read it on the air. Uh, we uh, we tweet from the at vbrownbag hashtag, or Twitter handle, and we have accounts all over the world. You gotta get the subtweets started early. <laughs> if you uh, if you want to join in on a subtweet challenge, you can subtweet anyone with hashtag vbrownbag, and we'll try to figure out who you're subtweeting. Uh, but anyway, we have uh, shows all throughout the world in different time zones. This is the U.S. show, but if there's a time in a different country, Brazil, Latin America, or Europe that fits you better, go to vbrownbag.com slash brownbags and check out the schedule and, and sign up. So with that said, I'll hand it over to Kyle. So Kyle, do you want to introduce yourself and get on with the show? Sure, yeah, absolutely. So my name is Kyle Ruddy. Uh, for the uh, period of this podcast, I am a senior technical marketing engineer at VMware uh, in the R&D group, which focuses on uh, vSphere as well as VMware Cloud on AWS. Uh, and within those, I mainly focus on automation, uh, certainly my favorite aspect. So that covers all things that are API, CLI, and SDK. And that's pretty much what we're here to talk about today, because there's been a lot of changes going on. So let's get to the uh, to the next slide here. Yep. So so talking updates, uh, automation-wise, to vSphere, because you know I don't know if you heard, but we kind of had a little release here uh, not too long ago called vSphere 6.7. Uh, kind of built up a lot of things that that we've been uh, that we released with 6.5. Uh, one of the most exciting things for me personally was the RESTful APIs. So, you know, if you remember with 6.5, you know, brand new, they came out, you could do things with the appliance, you could do some things with vCenter, uh, you could manage VMs, you could do things of that nature. Well, with 6.7, we basically built on what was there um, and added some new functionality. Uh, first and foremost, I mean, the, the biggest request that we saw was around uh, backup job scheduling, you know, because, you know, for all intents and purposes, the VCSA or the vCenter server appliance is a black box. You know, you shouldn't be getting on there and creating things like, you know, cron jobs to uh, create backup jobs, you know, because that was a, that was a pretty big hole that we had uh, and we really needed to fill that. So with 6.7, uh, backup job scheduling was added to the UI through the VAMI or the uh, um, appliance management interface. But we also added those to the RESTful API side as well. Uh, now that was certainly not the only thing that we added. As we can see on the screen here, there are some other areas. Uh, so we, we allowed for the creation of restore jobs. Uh, we can now control services, uh, both through vMon as well as the standard services. Um, and we added some new capabilities to applying updates. Because you know, if you remember in 6.5, what was available was changing or repointing your, uh, your update repository. You know, I mean, that was, that was a nice feature, but if you're gonna give me some APIs to, to work with updates, you know, I'd like to actually update something. So with 6.7, that was added. Uh, so now we can do, we can manage the policies. So like when does the update um, process run, you know, behind the scenes, we can start staging and even do the actual run through the installation process itself. Uh, for some reason, I have service management on here twice. So ignore that other one. Uh, and then we also took a lot of the APIs that were available as tech preview, and we now fully support them. Uh, switching over to the vCenter side, uh, some of the cool ones there are the ability to take a stage two 
or rather a appliance that has been deployed and it's ready for the stage two process um, and deploy that by API. You know, so, you know, previously your two options were to do it through either the UI or the CLI, uh, but now we've given you a REST API to, you know, once it's ready for stage two configuration, you can roll through that. Uh, then we can also do some other system configuration uh, methods, so repointing your PSC or even changing the topology. Now, one thing with the topology changes uh, that you kind of have to keep in mind, um, it's currently only supporting embedded to external. Uh, we have heard already a lot of requests for the ability to take it from external and move it to embedded uh, due to a lot of the updates that we've made um, in uh, how the PSC functions and, and how, you know, no longer is linked mode a requirement for um, um, having external PSCs. We've also added some abilities to, to work with some of the services on the vCenter side, uh, work with compute and storage policies like SPVM. Uh, we can also now start talking through um, to, the, to the VMs themselves. So now you can start pulling back information from VMware tools. Uh, so that's a really cool thing. Um, and then we've also updated how tagging performs. Uh, and we're going to have demos on, on quite a bit of this uh, here towards the end. All right, so moving outside of just the vSphere realm, there's been a lot of really important things going on with PowerCLI, uh, which is probably one of my most, most favorite things and, and most certainly uh, my favorites when I was on the admin side. Uh, so, you know, if you haven't been keeping up to date with what's going on with PowerCLI, we released version 10 earlier this year. So we are completely decoupling the version of PowerCLI from the version of vSphere. Uh, and that's just because, you know, we're doing so many different things uh, within the VMware stack that it's not really, you know, limited to vSphere anymore. You know, we can do things with, with vSAN, we're, we're talking to VMware Cloud on AWS, uh, VROps, uh, NSXT, we're doing all kinds of really cool things. Um, so we split that out. It's now PowerCLI 10. If you have any questions about why the number 10, well, because PowerCLI celebrated its 10th birthday uh, towards late last year. So kind of fell right in line. Um, plus, you know, a couple other things that are really important uh, with this updated version of, of PowerCLI. And I should say that currently we're on version 10.1. Uh, so not only are we you know, changing versions, but we're also updating the release cadence. Uh, we can move a little faster uh, as far as, you know, providing new features, bug fixes, updates, things of that nature, uh, because we've changed the installation method. So instead of having to log into myVMware.com, uh, searching for whichever version of PowerCLI you kind of thought was the right one, downloading it, running through an MSI installer, you can now install PowerCLI directly from PowerShell. And that's all due to uh, the thanks of the PowerShell gallery. Uh, so, you know, think of it as like your, your yum repos or, or Windows update servers, things of that nature. Now you're just using PowerShell to talk directly out uh, to the gallery to download and, uh, and make available PowerCLI. Uh, some of the other uh, really cool things that we've done and the last couple of releases is we've made it available um, across several different uh, uh, operating systems. So no longer are you just limited to, to being on a Windows system. You can now use PowerCLI on macOS, you can use it on Linux, um, and there's also a version of PowerShell Core that's available for Windows too. Um, you know, totally your call on whether you use, you know, your standard Windows PowerShell or you use PowerShell uh, Core. Uh, so that's really cool. Um, and the installation process works exactly the same. Uh, so here on our screen, uh, you know, I'm on a Mac system. It's literally just install module dash name VMware.PowerCLI and it runs through. It's, it's pretty impressive. Um, and then the update process you know, again, has also been updated too. So now um, it's literally just this, just update module instead of install module, update module. You know, very easy, very straightforward. 
Uh, no having to deal with uninstalling or reinstalling uh, programs, super simple. Uh, so then a couple of the other things that we've, we've done uh, that are important to bring up here is that we've actually started to uh, remove some of these commandlets that have been announced as deprecated. Uh, so, you know, the, the two most uh, used ones have been get and set VM guest network interface, um, get new and remove VM guest route. Uh, both of these were, were fairly limited if you looked at what they actually supported uh, operating system wise. I think it was like, uh, what was it, Windows 2012 and 2012 R2 um, and one specific version of, of Red Hat. And, and that was it. Outside of that, it was kind of a best effort. Uh, so what's replaced these is the usage of invoke VM script. So then, you know, you're using PowerCLI to then uh, run a command local on that VM through VMware tools. You know, so then you can use, you know, whatever method you prefer uh, to configure that VM um, in whatever manner is necessary. Uh, we've also started uh, taking feedback from uh, the community. We have created a uh, PowerCLI public feedback page, uh, which in hindsight, I should have put a link to on here, but I'll get that up here shortly. Uh, but basically, you can go to this page, you can tell us what's needed. Uh, and it's one central location uh, that our engineers look at, our product manager, uh, Jake Robinson looks at, uh, myself, I look at it as well. And that's kind of how we, we can guide and uh, figure out where we should be working the hardest to, to get what the community needs to make PowerCLI uh, just that much more awesome. Um, and the last thing that I want to cover PowerCLI-wise, um, is a change to how certificates are handled. Uh, now, this is going to be important to the folks that are using either self-signed certs um, or have untrusted certs. So, you know, if you're, you know, your lab environments, essentially. Uh, so, with this, you're going to have to run this command that's across the bottom of the screen there uh, to basically say, you know, we need to ignore invalid certificates. Um, so, the change that's kind of happened here is we used to warn and, and just say, you know, hey, this is this is an this is an unsafe quote unquote uh, certificate. It's invalid. So therefore, we warned, but we still allowed the process to continue. Uh, so we've had a little bit of a tweaking there. So now we error. Uh, so it doesn't allow it to go through. Uh, now, if you're using trusted certs, you're all set. You're good to go. Uh, it's just in the in the use case of using either um, self-signed certs or, or untrusted certificates. Um, and the last we cool did thing that, that I want to... Oh, we have questions, yes. Um, and some comments, which actually, Ooh, comments. now that I look at the questions, you have already answered them. So, you, you know, Cal Ruddy fact is that you know all the answers before people ask questions. Boom. Um, what's replacing the VM guest network interface? And you said that was invoke VM script? Yep, correct. And um, then Graham asks, can we report bugs at the PowerCLI, PowerCLI page, or should we still do that via support? Uh, so for that, I would, uh, the preference would certainly be for support, because, um, you, you know, PowerCLI is something that's supported. So if it's a, if it's a bug, if it's an issue, if it's something like that, um, then you know, the preferred method would be to open up a support ticket. Uh, however, at the same time, I understand that not everybody has support. And regardless, we still want to get these issues fixed. Um, so, you know, it, using, the, uh, using the feature request page is, is more, than, uh, more than welcome. You can also reach out to both myself and, um, and Jake Robinson uh, if you don't have support, because, you know, in the end, we, we still want to get that fixed. All right, and Cody, actually, he could say these himself, but he says denial is for more than IP tables because of the deny <laughs> on uh, certificates. I'd also, I'd also opine that uh, like linked mode virtual center uh, invoke VM script are like some of the most underappreciated features that just like freaking rock, so. Oh, absolutely. It, invoke VM script is one of those tremendous things that, you know, it, 
as I spoke about the what's actually supported on on those deprecated commandlets, invoke VM script is you know if you've got VMware tools, you're good. It's you know crazy to how much accessibility you have into the into that guest OS through it. And finally, before we let you go on, uh, is the website powercli.idas.aha.io? Yes, yes, that is it. All right, I'll, I'll tweet that out and put it in the show notes. Sweet, thank you. And that was Ariel who found it, so I'm not going to take credit for his fine. <laughs> Attendee Ariel at service. All right, you're good to go. All right. Um, so, uh, the last thing, PowerCLI 10.1 recently released. Uh, you know, we're we're talking like two weeks ago at at this point in time. Uh, it added updates for uh, support for 6.7 for vSphere 6.7, vSAN 6.7, um, and NSXT 2.1. So, you know, the the important part of PowerCLI is that we always recommend you be at the latest and greatest version, uh, just simply because if a release is currently supported, PowerCLI is essentially going to support that as well. Uh, now, there's only one thing that I can think of off the top of my head that doesn't fit that requirement, um, and that's Horizon. But that was, there's, there's just a different module. So if you're on an older 6.x uh, version of, of Horizon, you have the PowerCLI module. Technically, I believe it's a snap-in uh, that is installed with the connection server. Um, and the uh, uh, the newer version for 7.0.1 and above uh, is included with the install of PowerCLI from uh, the uh, PowerShell gallery. Um, and I see Graham's question about fast clones. Uh, so it does support the, uh, so 10.1 does support instant clones. Uh, and I've actually got a, a demo that we're going to go through on that as well. Uh, one other really cool uh, utility that, that has come out here recently, and this was actually available initially uh, with vSphere 6.5, and that's called VMware Data Center CLI. Uh, so, you know, if, if for some reason you're one of those people who, you know, doesn't like PowerShell, um, I, I have ran into a couple of them few and far between, but but there are some out there. Um, and they want to use something else, something that's that can be interactive. Uh, data center CLI is is definitely something that uh, that you should take a look at. Uh, this is well currently is available uh, through vSphere CLI, uh, which works on uh, Windows and uh, Linux. However, we do have a beta that's been released, uh, and that operates on macOS. Uh, and we've got some cool things planned for that this upcoming year. Um, however, if nothing else, it is also available directly through the vCSA shell, uh, or it's included with the Windows vCenter server uh, in the command prompt. Uh, so the one really cool thing about data center CLI is, you know, like if you've used ESX CLI, uh, you know, it, it's it's a little difficult to use. There's no tab complete. Uh, you're you're spending a lot of time trying to figure out where or you know what commands you should be using, and DCLI comes to the rescue in that in that area. So if you jump into the interactive shell mode, uh, you have tab complete. Uh, you have the ability to see what a prior session might have used. Uh, so here in our example here, across the bottom we see system and then there's nothing. So it shows that you know, our, our availability here is version, storage, uptime, time, update, and so forth. Uh, and then it also knows that in the past, uh, we've used system time and get. So you know, if we hit the right arrow key on that, it'll just fill that in and we're ready to hit enter and actually run the command. Uh, so it's, it's really nice to use in, in that manner. And then there's also the capability of running this uh, through scripts as well. So, you know, again, if, if PowerShell isn't your thing, you know, that's fine. You can use this as well. You know, you can use this in, in your cron jobs and or, you know, just for, for uh, longer workflows. Uh, and then it supports also easily 
um, accessing and, and displaying out different output formats. So, you know, JSON, XML, uh, HTML, tables, and so forth. Uh, and another really cool thing on this one is that it works with the VMware Cloud on AWS RESTful APIs too. So it's not just limited to vSphere. Um, it kind of expands out uh, beyond, and, and you're going to see that more and more. Uh, Graham yeah, asks, is there another question? Yeah, Graham asks, does this mean that ESX CLI is going to eventually go away? Nope, no plans, no plans of that. Uh, this is this is not going to be a replacement for ESX CLI. Thanks. Sweet. All right, last slide that I have, um, and it looks like some of the formatting kind of ate it, so that is unfortunate. Uh, however, these are the vSphere Automation SDKs. So these are our software development kits that are um, available. They're open sourced. They're out there on GitHub. Uh, and the, the, the main focus, the main goal of these is from downloading the zip or cloning the repo locally, you can be up and running in about the span of five minutes you know, because we provide you uh, the framework to get started to authenticate and actually start using it. We provide samples so that you can, you know, take a look at those and start integrating those into um, your own your own existing workflows or, or your own code there. Uh, and we're doing this in a lot of different languages that we don't do when we're talking uh, SOAP APIs. So we're doing this in Python, in Java, Perl, .NET, and Ruby. Um, and then there's also the uh, the REST SDK which is essentially JavaScript as well as Postman collections. You know, and it, you're not limited to Postman, so if, you know, if Postman's not your thing, if you can import Postman collections, you're, you're good to roll. Um, and another awesome thing about this, uh, we're accepting pull requests. So if you come up with an example, um, if you see a, an error or an issue in the documentation, you know, create a pull request. We, we are more than happy to accept those and approve those and, and get those out. Uh, there was actually one community member who created an entire collection, an entire Postman collection um, for vCenter. So that was amazing. That was a, that was a lot of work um, and you know, greatly appreciated. That, uh, that pull request process, is that, uh, is that something documented and, and fairly well spelled out? Like do you have a, is it like uh, a process for filing an issue, linters, that sort of thing that are in place, or is it sort of like I have to figure that out as I go? Nope. So the README has all that information. So you can you can have uh, you know the criteria for submitting a pull request. Uh, uh, sorry, a pull request. Um, and actually, I don't think we have anything too detailed laid out about issues. Uh, but for the most part, it's been a you tell us what's wrong and. Um, and it will either help to fix it or, you know, tell you what's going on. All right. I'll, uh, I'll see if I can't get a link to that out in the show notes for you as well. Sweet. Thank you. So um, we have another question from Henry. And Henry, I apologize. I won't attempt to pronounce your last name. Uh, but is removing PowerCLI 6.x required before installing PowerCLI 10.x? Uh, so removing any, so when you switch over to using some of the uh, the modules that are available through the PowerShell gallery, you will have to uninstall any version of PowerCLI that was installed by MSI. But once you're started using the PowerShell gallery versions, which is 6.5.1 and above, uh, you're good to go. It's literally just using that update module command and you're good. There's no need to, to remove those unless you really feel it's necessary. Uh, you know, because as, as part of the update process, you know, really what we're, what we're doing there is only updating or only downloading the modules that are necessary. You know, so if, if something hasn't changed in, in two revisions, we're not going to even bother uh, having you download that, that module. We got comments that the switchover can be painful, and also Ariel says I think DCLI is meant to replace VCLI. Can you re confirm? 
Uh, so DCLI is a part of vSphere CLI. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's replacing it because uh, you know currently it, it is a part of it. All right. Um, yeah, that's all I've got right now. Uh, Henry, if you want to tweet back again, let me know if there's anything else you need. Uh, I think we're good for a moment. Awesome. All right, so let's get into demos. Let's see how this works. Maybe. All right. So it looks like we're... All right, so can you see a Google screen at the moment there, Tom? Yep. Your uh, corp.local.lab. Sweet. All right. Uh, so let's go directly. Well, here, let's let's show the main page, make sure that we're... Uh, let's close out Chrome here. Oh, you are all kinds of unhappy right now, aren't you? Yay, live demos. We're doing it live, guys. There we go. Let's try this other one. Hey, there we go. Okay, so here we are. Uh, we are on a vSphere 6.7 uh, versioned vCenter. Uh, so let's get started because I didn't realize it is, we are half an hour in. And we did start a little bit late too, so. Okay. All right, so if for those that are watching, um, if you haven't already seen the API Explorer, this is probably one of the easiest ways to get started um, accessing, using, and reading up on the RESTful APIs that are available as part of vCenter. Uh, now, the thing that I didn't cover there is that if you go to uh, the the root, essentially, of the vCenter server itself, over here to the right-hand side under the for developers, quote-unquote, section, there's a browse vSphere REST APIs. So if we click on that, it'll take us to the API Explorer. So there it'll load up, it'll reference the, uh, the JSON file that's out there. Uh, you know, if you're familiar with this type of interface, this is a Swagger-based interface. Uh, so if, you're, you know, if you know what that looks like, if you know how that interacts, then you're going to be extremely comfortable here. Uh, so let's start taking a look at the, uh, we have a couple different namespaces. Let's start with the appliance here. Start taking a look at what's new. Uh, let's see, local accounts. So local accounts, this is one of the uh, one of the APIs that used to be in tech preview. Uh, it is now fully supported. Uh, so if you, for some reason, you need to manage local accounts to the appliance itself, fully capable through the REST API. Uh, doing other things like applying or correcting uh, network interfaces, uh, that is available as well. Um, so Let's, uh, let's actually log in here. And and actually start running some of these commands. All right, so there, we've logged in. That's, that's all it is, extremely simple. Uh, then here's our, so if, if we were using this in say a programming language like Python, or if we were using this in uh, Postman, this would be our URL to actually reference uh, this method. Uh, and then if we read, you know, this is just going to be getting the IPv4 uh, configuration for the NIC um, of this. And actually, it's probably not going to work because uh, I need that network interface. So let's go up here. The cool part here is that we're actually running a uh, RESTful API method there, Once when you click on that Try It Out button. Uh, I was talking with Ariel uh, probably mid last year, 
and, and one of the things that I do want to point out is that if you do something that removes, if you do something that creates, it really will do it. Like that will for sure happen. Uh, there is no, there's no safety guard on this. Uh, so what we're looking for here uh, to get our IP configuration on the next uh, call right there is the name. So that's displayed through there in the, in the JSON response. Uh, and then again, if you're unfamiliar with kind of how Swagger works, it also gives us a curl statement that we can use. Uh, the really nice part about it is that since we're already authenticated, it also gives us our token. Uh, so we don't have to worry about uh, doing that in our, uh, in our terminal session. So let's go back down here. Let's put in our interface name. So we're just doing Nick zero. So then just like that, we're seeing, you know, pretty similar information from what we saw on the last, last screen there. Uh, however, the, the new thing is being able to call out just specifically just that information, um, as well as being able to do this, do this next method right here, which is reconfiguring it. Uh, I'm not gonna do it, but you know, just to show how easy it is, you can click on our example over here, it'll pre-fill in our request body, and then we can take it from there. All right, so let's move down to uh, probably one of my favorite parts and, and uh, what I was talking about earlier is, as being certainly one of the most requested uh, features to the VCSA, which is the scheduling of backups. This is it's kind of a big deal. Uh, so, you know, because before you could do this through the RESTful API, so, you know, scheduling it wasn't really that big of a deal, but it, it certainly did require another system, an external system, you know, for either that scheduled task or the cron job um, or what have you uh, to make that happen. So here we're looking at our uh, for this specific server, um, any kind of existing schedules. So we're listing out whatever backup schedule jobs that we have. Uh, and so here we have a, just looks like one single backup job, runs every Wednesday, um, military hours, 1659. Uh, it is currently enabled. We are only doing the quote unquote common parts was essentially um, the main information about the vCenter server. So in essence, we're not doing anything concerning uh, performance information. We're not doing uh, tasks. We're not doing events. Um, and then we have our location. So we're dumping this out to an FTP server. And we have uh, how many are retention uh, policy there. So we're, we're just uh, keeping two at most. Uh, then issuing what the what location user is or what the user is for this specific location. So in essence, that's uh, credentials. So here, let's. Uh... We do have a couple of questions. All right. Yeah, sure. Uh, Graham asks if the scheduling that's part of 6.7 is that backported into the latest 6.5 update to release? Uh, not that I've seen. And also, can you, you download know. the certificate, the self-signed certificate, and install that to use PowerCLI without having to turn off the implicit deny? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. So if you trust that on your on your local system, uh, you're you're absolutely set. It'll it'll work just like it's a well. I mean, it is a trusted cert at that point. So you're you're good to go. And then lastly, uh, Cody says, "Try it now." Is the YOLO of vSphere API Explorer? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I, that's, I, I think uh, of it more as that's the totally getting button. copyrighted and used. It's the hold button, <laughs> button for me. <laughs> And that's it. Awesome. All right, so that was a very quick run through of some of the appliance uh, sided things. Uh, there are a couple new, actually SNMP is an existing 
uh, and service status, I want to say that existed before too. Um, so I guess we didn't really add anything tech preview. We just started supporting everything that used to be tech preview except for these two. Uh, then the last one, updates. Uh, this is something I can go through really quick because, you know, it's so new, we don't have any updates yet. Uh, so here's our first one. We can do a get, you know, which is exactly what it sounds like. We're just retrieving back information. And then based on that, we can do our try it out. And we can see that we are up to date and we are technically running version 6.7.0 uh, and then .10,000. So, you know, in the future that will say, oh, you're, you're out of date. And that'll let us get to some of our uh, some of our other APIs down here. So like we could take a look at the policy. Um, so what's the current policy set at? Yeah, so here we can see, you know, are we auto staging? Are we auto updating? Um, what our default URL is to uh, for the update repository? Um, and a couple other uh, settings as well. So like we can attach a schedule to it, um, and so on and so forth. You know, and then we can actually change that policy if, if we were so inclined. So that is a very quick run through on the appliance side. Uh, let's take a look at some of the things on the vCenter side, uh, since I think some of these are, are kind of cool too. Uh, so the big one, uh, the deployment APIs. Uh, so I've already deployed this one. It's already up. It's running. Um, and I didn't get a, uh, a, a an appliance set up in, in time to actually run through the demo on, on here, uh, just because that also takes a little bit of time to, to see it from, from beginning to end. Uh, but you can do things uh, like deployment rollbacks, uh, checking out the history, uh, running through the installation process itself. Uh, as well as, you know, running sanity checks, canceling an installation, uh, setting up your PSCs, whether or not they're standalone, whether or not they're replicated, whether or not they're external. Um, and then if you have to go through and actually upgrade, uh, perform an upgrade through that, those APIs are available there as well. You know, so I, I think you know, and, and I should also mention that a lot of these things are really only available on the REST side. Uh, so, you know, nothing is happening to the SOAP APIs. Those are not going anywhere uh, anytime soon. Uh, they're still, uh, I, I'll show you a couple things here in a little bit uh, that, uh, that you know, the SOAP API is receiving some, some updates still, uh, but for the majority of it, all the updates are being made. Uh, all the new features are being added to the REST side. Uh, so that's kind of a, a really cool thing because I, I think it's just so much easier to, to use and it's a whole lot faster to get up and running. Uh, here, let's get to, let's see, I skipped over it, the system config. Uh, so this is something that, that comes up quite a bit. So like knowing what your deployment type is, uh, you know, we have a fling that's out there. Uh, you can run it against your vCenter. It'll tell you certain things about your environment. Like, are you embedded? Are you external? Uh, what your external PSCs may or may not be? Uh, that type of information. What's part of that has now been built into the REST API itself. So in this case, we are using a, an embedded deployment, but you know, previously you either had to run some kind of command line uh, directly from uh, the shell of the VCSA, or you had to run that fling. So now with 6.7 and this, API itself, you get that uh, information back. You can also change the deployment type. So if you want to change it to an external, uh, that's also supported uh, directly through REST as well. And then the other fun one is changing which PSC you're registered to. Also available through the APIs, just trying to make that, that whole process a lot friendlier uh, to, to really perform instead of having to, you know, jump in through uh, SSH and, uh, you know, because hopefully that's turned off because that's, you know, that's the uh, secured preference most certainly. 
so then let's get to some actual stuff uh, that is good to know, good to use, and, and maybe you'll use on a more regular basis, uh, which is you know, accessing information about VMs through VMware tools. Uh, so here, our example uh, response here is essentially giving us information like this is a Windows system, which name is DOS, uh, as well as you know, a simple IP address. Now for that, we are required to have a uh, VM parameter. And if we read the description, it's saying we need the identifier of the virtual machine itself. So to get that, we can go back up to our, our VM uh, namespace here, and then we, we can run a get against that to find out what system or what VM uh, we, wanna, we wanna gather some more information about. So using some of the filters, because I do have about 100 systems in here, uh, let's go to filter.vms, and I believe the name of the system that I'm looking for is, is that. So entering in our filter. Nope, maybe I did that wrong. I thought that's what the name is. Boo. More live demo fails. Oh, here. It's the last one. I was on the wrong. I was on the wrong parameter. Let's try it out now. Hey, that's a little better. So here is the response. This is some basic information about a VM, but the most important part is this ID right here. Uh, now, the other thing that I do kind of want to call out because it's, it's really nice, it, this also tells you what the URL is going to look like, you know, even when you're using a filter. Uh, so even the same up top here, it, it adds in that filter to the line, to the curl statement, uh, or to the URL, uh, just to really help make even, you know, applying filters just that much easier. Uh, but now that we have our hardware ID, we are ready to go back and uh, fill that in right here. So now that we have our identifier in there, we can now take a look at this system. Um, it's a CentOS 7. Here's the IP address. It's in the Linux system. Um, and that's what the host name is configured uh, on that guest OS. So previously, none of that information was available through REST, um, and it's available now. Uh, we can also do some things such as finding out information about the local file system. So again, entering in our uh, VMID feeds us back a couple different volumes, uh, var temp, boot, uh, root, and did it do temp twice? Oh no, var temp and then just uh, temp in the root. Then lastly, before we jump into uh, into one of the cool SOAP APIs, let's take a look at uh, being able to uh, you know use VMware tools to our advantage to gently uh, shut down or reboot or put a guest OS into standby mode. Uh, you know, because in 6.5, the only APIs that were available was your, like, I'm pulling the power out right now uh, type of options for, for shutting down or rebooting a, a VM. So now we have uh, this gentle guest OS um, process that'll, you know, shut it down properly or reboot it properly. So that's kind of cool. I'm not going to show that because I do need the system uh, for a couple uh, demos here in a second. And as much as I love doing it live, I don't want to completely hose myself. Uh, so the next one that I want to uh, take a look at, this is specific to the SOAP APIs. Um, and if it works, 
Uh, so what I'm doing right now is I'm going to the managed object browser or the mob. And that is where you can do something very similar to the API Explorer. Uh, what API Explorer does for RESTful APIs, uh, the mob does for SOAP APIs. So let's log in again. If it works, ooh, double authentication, probably not good. Oh, no, there we go. Awesome. Okay, so this is what the mob looks like. Um, as you can tell, a little different than what the API Explorer looks like. Um, and you really need to know what you're doing to kind of find your way around. Uh, so since it looks like this is working, uh, what I'm going to show you is the uh, a new property that's been added to uh, VM objects, and that is the creation date. Uh, you know, that is something that has been just categorically uh, requested. Uh, you know, pretty much any customer that I've talked to, even when I was on, on the admin side myself, I'm like, why isn't that there? Like, that just seems like such a simple thing. Um, and it's it's now been added. So let's walk through, you know, since we're on the automation side, we're gonna do this in um, through the mob. And then I'll do that here shortly uh, through the through Power CLI as well. Uh, but so here we are, we're in mob, we went to content. Um, and then from there, we wanna go to the root folder. That's this uh, D1 or data centers. Uh, from that point, we wanna get into the data center object itself, which is a child entity. And from there, uh, we can look at you know, several different areas. So we can look at data stores, we can look at configuration of the data center itself, networks, but what we're really looking for here is the VM folder uh, or our VMs. So we take a look at that, then we are on our next page, looking at our child entity. Uh, we can now start seeing VMs, we can start seeing uh, some folders, uh, however, from you know, we just want to look at this top one. This is what we used in the in our example just a second ago. So we recognize that ID of VM 241, uh, and from there, we are looking for uh, what is it? The config. Oh, there it is, towards the top. So from there, we now see this property right here, which is create date. And it says, you know, we created this system yesterday um, at, you know, what is that? Uh, 10 p or 8 p.m.? Yeah, it's, it's like 8.02 p.m. Uh, we'll call it 8.03. 8.03? Um, no, 8 59.49. Did I just hear a niner? I think so. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so that that creation date or create date um, is that just a six seven feature? Is that like does that information exist in prior versions? Is that like where did that come from and how do I get it for like some of my older stuff? Yeah, so this is completely just for six seven. So not only is it your V centers that have to be on six seven, but the uh, the hosts have to be on 6.7 as well. So this is purely uh, just for 6.7. Um, and I'll, I'll even throw out the one, uh, the, <laughs> uh, the one thing that's, that's kind of negative, uh, but it is something that you should know about ahead of time, uh, is what happens if you are talking to a system uh, that was created before. So, you know, that system was created while we were on, oh, it's not going to show me. Uh, so that system was created in 6.7, uh, but what happens if you you are on a system that wasn't? And of course, I I only had a couple objects there to choose from. So let's see, does VM100 work? Yes. All right, so I have no idea what system this is. For the most part, doesn't matter. Uh, the important part here is that create date 
defaults back to January 1st of 1970. That's an old VM. That is an extremely old VM. That even predates me. Uh, But, you know, this is something that, that you should... That you should know, um, that you should understand, that, uh, you know, as you're upgrading environments or you're moving systems uh, between 6.5 to 6.7 environments, this is something that you could run into. So if my VM is created at uh, at the dawn of epoch time, that's a, that's a thing. That is indeed a thing. Lovely. So if you're if you're creating a report and you're like, wow, we have all these systems that were created in 1970, uh, no, that's just the that's just the default. Womp womp. A little bit, yeah. And there's, I guess, there's not a good way to go back and get that information. Like, not even file dates will get it for you, I guess. Nope. Yeah, that. Yeah, you. Some folks try and you know query the database, but one that is really really one of those things that we try and make make sure that uh, you know, it's not no, supported. No. You certainly try and, and dissuade people from doing that. And uh, But some people say that it works. Or if you're in a very low um, intensity environment, if you're not having a lot of things going on, uh, then you know, you might be able to find the actual creation date will still be in the uh, still be in the logs. You know, those haven't rolled over quite yet. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to. Looks like I have five minutes, and I want to do um, at least two or three things. Uh, so let's. So notice, I just opened up PowerShell. This is just a standard PowerShell window. Uh, here, I'll do get module, uh, just so that you can see that I'm not doing anything behind the scenes. I didn't like update my my profile or anything. Uh, so I just have the the three standard modules available. So let's do a connect VI server. Go into VCSA01. So, you know, in, in prior versions, you either had to run the shortcut or you had to run some kind of crazy initialization script. Um, and, you know, that's just no more. Uh, we, as of PowerCLI 6.5.1, which is also the version that moved to the PowerShell gallery. Uh, that version or newer uh, supports the auto importing of modules, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, so you know, as we can see, automatically imported what we need. Uh, so now that we're authenticated, uh, let's toss a couple VMs into variables. Uh, so let's toss our good buddy, our temp mas- machine here. Uh, and let's toss in a another system. Which will be file zero two. Uh, and if we get that far, we will run something against the host. All right, so now we have all of those things. So now let's see how PowerCLI can get us access to that uh, that creation date. Uh, so in PowerCLI, let's let's go ahead and show you that our variable is populated. So we do have a system. Um, it's powered on one CPU, eight gigs of RAM. Uh, so it this is a live living, breathing system here. Uh, so that creation date, if you remember from our from the mob there, it was in our config. Uh, so going into hitting extension data and then hitting config. We see a whole bunch of information, uh, but really all we're looking for is the create date uh, property. So scrolling up so you don't have to squint towards the bottom of the screen. There we see you know exactly what, what we saw earlier and it even translated into our, uh, our our local session time. So you know, yep. Tom, Tom had it right, it was 802, uh, or if you prefer Cody's method, uh, it was 803, depending on how, uh, how specific you really wanna be. Uh, then since I already talked a little bit about this, let's show the uh, create date for the other one. Yeah, so there, 
we're January 1st, 1970 uh, at midnight. So is it possible for us to update that ourselves? Like if we know when the machine was made, can we autom or can we manually put that in or no? Uh, that is a great question. Uh, there isn't anything uh, through uh, method-wise, like there's no API to, to be able to change that as far as I know. Uh, however, here, let's, let's go ahead and just log in because I, I want to say that that is a property that is available as part of the VMX file. So if this works, we can go in and go in and play with that. But you know, if, if you modify the VMX file, you either have to then vMotion it to another system or remove it from inventory and add it back uh, in order for that that update to, to really take hold. Anything's better than uh, bell bottom wearing VMs though. Well, that is true. All right, so that's that's taking too long, so I'll I'll go back and and we'll get back to that. Uh, so the other thing that I wanted to show, which there was a question on, um, Instant Clone. Instant Clone is something that is brand new uh, for 6.7, um, and we don't have any commandlets that are available. You know, our, our high level, like there's no get VM, dat, you know, pipe, uh, add Instant Clone or new Instant Clone. We don't have anything like that yet. Um, that would be a really good thing to add to the feature request site. Uh, you know, kind of thinking about how you believe it should work or how you would it, you would uh, you would intend on using it. Uh, but we can go through uh, and use the API. Uh, so all of those uh, specifications and all those methods have been made available. Uh, so let's create our spec here. Oh, is tab complete going to work? It's thinking mighty hard. Nope, it, tab complete did not. Uh, tab complete was not my, f oh, it's because I misspelled it. It's vmware.vim. Hey, there's tab complete. Okay, so we need to create our spec, our virtual machine instant clone spec. Um, and then we need to create our relocation spec. It would really help if I could type. Relocate spec. All right, so now we have our, our two specs. We need to now come up with a name for, uh, for what this clone is going to be called. Uh, so we'll use a destination name, uh, and we'll loosely base it off of the VM name that we're gonna use to instant clone, uh, but we're going to append to it uh, underscore IC underscore zero one. So now if we look at our variable there, uh, we can see that it's going to be temp-cos01 underscore ic underscore 01. Uh, then we need to, uh, we can take a look at our specification here. Uh, we can see that we need to apply a name, a location, a config, and a BIOS UUID. Now referencing the documentation, we know that we don't actually need to specify a config. Um, or a BIOS ID. Uh, and for the most part, we don't even really need to specify a location spec, uh, but it at least needs that filled in. Uh, so we'll update the name here to be destination name, and then we will update the location so that at least it uh, has a rough idea of that. And then from that point, we will be able to uh, actually, here let's uh, let's show what this looks like. So we have VM dot extension data uh, get member, uh, which is really helpful to, to finding out what methods are available uh, 
for the space. Also, what properties may or may not be available. Uh, a super helpful PowerShell uh, commandlet there. So up towards the top, we can see all of these methods that are available uh, for this for this object. We can also see all of the properties that are available for this object. Uh, however, we're really only in, interested in the uh, in the instant clone. So we're going to do a a where, which apologies, I'm doing the shorthand, uh, where the name is going to be like instant clone. So from there, we can see two methods, one being uh, instant clone and the other one being instant clone task. Uh, and we know already ahead of time, based on the documentation, there's no documentation for this instant clone method. It's only existing for instant clone task. So we know that we can do uh, extension data dot instant clone task. Then if we look at, look to the uh, definition here, it's looking for that spec that we created. So from that point, we are ready to go. So there we have our task. So it's kind of running async, if you want to think about it that way. And then there towards the bottom, we see the name instant clone underscore task. We can see that it was a state of success. Uh, then we can do a get VM, call out uh, or specify the name uh, parameter, and then specify our destination name. So there we can see our brand new VM object here. Uh, it's powered on one CPU, eight gigs of RAM. You know, it's exactly what was there uh, prior and it took, what is that, four seconds? Essentially four seconds. So uh, not too shabby. Uh, and then we can treat it just like a VM as well. Uh, so we can turn it off. We can turn it back on, uh, and then we can also remove it. And I should note that uh, using delete permanently is only removing the items that are, are specific just to that system. Doing, doing a delete permanently isn't going to also uh, remove the VMDKs from the, uh, from the from the main, from the primary VM. All right, so it looks like we're, we are six minutes over. Uh, so I will, let's, let's open up to questions. The other thing that I kind of wanted to cover was the availability of per VM EVC uh, or enhanced vMotion uh, compatibility. That's something new to 6.7. Uh, and there are some APIs that go along with that, uh, but we can always cover that at a, uh, as like a part two. Yeah, it'd be great. I think uh, the reaction from from Twitter is sounding like we need to have a part two, just to keep digging into everything that's new. You guys have done a lot of work on uh, on getting new API and, and new features. So good job. Fantastic, thank you. And you know, as as folks are listening to this, uh, you know, please feel feel free to you know, even if it's not about Power CLI, if it's about APIs or or even our SDKs, you know, you're more than welcome to to send me emails, send me uh, send me tweets, send me DMs. Actually, DMs are almost preferred because uh, you know, for for whatever reason, I care a whole lot more about those little notifications on Twitter than I do about the you know hundreds of emails that's in my inbox. So we do have a question: Is the API fe have feature parity to the appliance UI? Uh, say for like the virtual machine stuff you're showing, is it is the API for uh, virtual machine in parity with the uh, API or with using the UI, like the flex um, That's so. I, as much as I would love to say yes, uh, I, I would say no. Um, you know, at least right off the bat, some of the things that I, I can think of that aren't there on the API side that are there on the UI side um, is, you know, obtaining like performance metrics uh, and, and things of that nature. Uh, those are not available yet through the API. 
but for the most part, a lot of what you can do, like if you're logging into the VAMI um, and you're running a task, if you're if you're interacting with the system itself, you know, I, I want to say that we're we're right near feature parity, um, but you know, there there are some things monitoring wise that that aren't there yet. So I I, I would uh, you know. Official answer, I would go with no, we are not at feature parity. We are certainly working to get there. I will I will specify that, both on the vCenter side, uh, content library, uh, uh, vCenter appliance, you know, we're, we're basically tr attempting to get up to feature parity on all of those, uh, but it is one of those things that, that we wanna do it the right way. Uh, you know, we could just insert a shim and call it a day, uh, but we're trying to do this right. Uh, we're trying to make it as performant as possible, um, and we're trying to make it as easy to use as possible. All right, well, it looks like uh, there is anything else. Cody, do you see anything or have anything to add? Nope, all right. Nope, nope. All right, great. Uh, thank you very much, Kyle, for for doing this, and we uh, hope we can get you around for a part two shortly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Good night, everybody, and thanks for watching.